Good morning, and a warm welcome to the service this morning. It's good to see some visitors with us, and uh, you're especially welcome uh, today. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for giving us the desire and the health and the strength, the opportunity, the freedom to gather in this place and to, to wait upon the Lord, to bring our worship, to sing praises to you. And we thank you that the way for us is open, not just in the temporal sense, in the civil sense, but we thank you that the way for us to worship uh, is open in the spiritual sense, because Jesus is the way and he has opened up the way. We sang the words in the, in the psalm as we finished uh, there of, of uh, those that transgressors be. Uh, those sinners that need to be turned back to God. And we don't sing these words looking at other people. We sing these words looking at ourselves, at our own hearts. And we confess, as we are helped to through this psalm, the, the reality and the presence of sin in our lives and in our hearts. We confess, Lord, that uh, we are sinners in our nature, We are sinners in the things that we do. We confess, Lord, that the things that we want to do, we so often leave undone. We don't have the power to do it in our own strength. And the things that we don't want to do, that we recognize are sin, we find ourselves straying back into. We are people who are weak. We are people who are vulnerable to temptation. We are people who fall and to fail. We are transgressors. We are sinners, Lord. And we confess that with the psalmist as we think back over the last uh, few days. Uh, we, even in the silence of this place, uh, before you, uh, in the secrecy of our own hearts, Lord, we confess uh, where we have fallen and where we have failed. We name these sins before you and we pray that these sins would be washed away in and through the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we often uh, sing of that fountain of blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. So we pray that you would cleanse us, Lord, as we come before you. Wash us in the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, once more uh, for sending your Son, Jesus, into this world to seek and to save sinners like us. We thank you that Jesus lived uh, to to meet that perfect standard of holiness and uh, perfection that is required for a holy God. We thank you that he did it for us. And we thank you that he went to the cross. He bore our shame. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can become righteous in and through faith in him. So once more, Lord, we thank you for the cross. And once more, we thank you for the the, the resurrection of Jesus. On the, the first day of the week, on this day, he rose from the grave, showing that the work of salvation was done. And showing that all the promises that he made of eternal life, of resurrection life, were true for all who believe. 
So grant to us faith, we pray. Uh, you know our hearts. You know each person who is uh, sitting here this morning. We, you know and you see those who are at home and who are watching, who are listening at a distance. And we ask that you would give to us faith, that you would take away uh, scepticalism, that you would take away uh, cynicism, that you would sweep away doubts, and that you would give to us that faith which is a gift from God. Faith that we may take hold of the truth of Scripture, that we may come to Jesus and find the rest and the salvation that He alone can give. We pray, Lord, for those who are uh, in particular need this week. We are always conscious uh, of ourselves and others uh, and the needs that we have. We pray, Lord, for uh, those who are absent just now, who are struggling with ill health, uh, some who have COVID and who are isolating. We pray that uh, the, the strain that they endure at this time would not uh, be too difficult to bear, uh, that you would uh, strengthen them, Lord, that you would protect them, and that they would be over uh, this virus soon. We thank you that we, we feel that we are coming out of what has been a difficult few years. Uh, we pray that we would not have learned nothing through this, but that we would uh, have learned and continue to learn to take shelter in you, to trust in you uh, when we see that all around us is so subject to change and decay. So we pray for those who are at home. We pray for those in hospital as well. We think of Alisan in particular. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, speed her recovery after surgery. Uh, we ask that you would be near to her. Uh, we pray, Father, for those who are grieving. We think of the family uh, of Mary Bell and so many in the community who will feel that sense of loss. And we pray for your comfort for, for them. And uh, for those who have lost loved ones in past weeks and months, uh, we continue to pray uh, that you would grant to them comfort and strength. We are aware that for many, life goes back to normal. But for those who have lost ones who were close to them, uh, nothing is normal. And so we pray that you would sustain them, that you would help them. Pray for those who have gone from Harris to, to, to Lewis to care homes. We think of Donald and Mary. Uh, having gone to Dinesha, and we ask, Father, that you would be near to them, and that you would help them at this time, and be with the family. And we pray for our, our young ones as well, uh, those who are thinking about uh, the exams coming up over these next few weeks. Uh, give to them your peace, and help them as they study uh, to uh, know the, the strength of God, and uh, help them. Help us, Lord, in every situation, not to worry, not to be anxious, but to take an anxiety and to cast it upon you. We pray for those who are elderly as well, as we pray for the young, uh, those who are housebound, uh, those who feel lonely. We thank you that you are with them uh, always, and we pray that they would know your presence where they are just now. So hear our prayers and continue with us, uh, we ask. We commit this day to you, and we pray for tonight and for Derek Maxwell as he comes to to speak to us about Ukraine and about Russia and about uh, all that's going on at this time. We ask that you would help him, that you would give him the words to say and that you would help us to pray uh, for that situation as we learn more about what's going on uh, in that place. So hear our prayers and take away our sin. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus for we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So let's 
Let's pray now and ask God for help. Lord God, we thank you that you love us and we thank you that you have promised that when we come to you in prayer, you hear our prayers and you help us. We thank you that you've told us the truth about this world as well and the fact that there is a devil who wants to do us damage. Uh, We thank you that you tell us that because you love us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to this world to beat the devil. We thank you that on the cross, on that place that the devil thought he had won, you actually won. You defeated him. And you defeated death. And you broke the power of sin. And we thank you that when we simply ask you from our hearts, please forgive me. Please wash away my sin. And please protect me from the devil's crafty schemes. You promise that you will do that. So we pray that you would do that in our lives, in our hearts, uh, today and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read now from God's Word, Luke chapter 20. Uh, We will read from verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Why didn't you believe in him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know where it was from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one they also beat and treated shamefully, and sent away empty-handed. He sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Well, if you could open your Bibles now, please, in uh, Luke chapter 20, and we'll pray as we come back to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage that uh, we have read, and we pray now for the help of the Holy Spirit as we study it. 
we do not have eyes to see uh, that are natural. We don't have ears to hear. Uh, we don't have hearts that are responsive to your word because we are uh, fallen. But we pray that uh, through the intervention, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, our eyes would be opened, our ears would be unblocked, our hearts would be stirred. Take away every distraction, we pray. Help us to listen. Uh, help us to uh, hear. Help us to respond in a way that uh, brings glory to your name and salvation uh, to our souls. We pray for the young ones, uh, those who are through in the other room just now, and uh, many more who are at home or away on holiday this weekend. And we ask that you would bless them wherever they are, that they would grow up to know you, to trust you. We pray on for the, uh, the babies, uh, the, those who are in the creche and those who are here, and um, those who are at home as well. Uh, we thank you again for the safe delivery of little Evelyn and we pray your blessing on her and your blessing upon Isabel and uh, we pray uh, for all the, the young ones that we have prayed for. We thank you for them and for the answer that they are to prayer and we pray on for your protection on the young children that uh, we have not yet met who are within the room. Bless them and protect them. Uh, we pray and be with uh, the mums that you would look after them through at this time. So hear our prayers. Help us, Lord, and uh, be with all other congregations who meet uh, close to us or far from us, wherever uh, the word of God is preached faithfully, where Christ crucified and risen is proclaimed. Uh, be at work, Lord, we pray, uh, building your church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a few here, probably there's more than a few here, uh, who have uh, retired, some in recent years, some in not so recent years, there are others who uh, are approaching retirement, uh, some who are approaching the end of a, a, a job who have been in a particular place for a while. And um, when we come to the end of our working life, whether it's retirement or whether it's the end of one job and preparing for another, uh, on the last day or the last few days, uh, things tend to wind down. You know, the intensity levels that may have been there in the, the sort of cut and thrust of your working life, uh, they, can, they can kind of drop a little. Uh, and for many people, the last day at work, or even the last day at school, it's not really a, a working day. You know, it's a day where you go in, but uh, there's cake and there's tea and there's coffee and there's maybe speeches and uh, parties. It's a... The last day is often a day for taking it easy. And although Luke doesn't tell us in this chapter, when we take Luke 20 uh, alongside the other uh, parallel gospel accounts, and I'm not going to give you the workings of this just now, um, but when we look at this day uh, in comparison with the other gospel records, it's clear that this day is actually the last day for Jesus to be in the temple courts. For a number of days he's been preaching and teaching. And many, many times in the past he has been in the temple courts. Uh, but you could say that this was Jesus' last working day in the temple courts. So what do we see him do? Do we see cake and coffee and Taking it easy. But well, we don't. Uh, what we see Jesus doing is uh, we see him working. 
And that's the first point we see here, uh, the, the work of Jesus. Three points uh, in the time that we have, hopefully. Uh, there's the work of Jesus, and then there's questions for Jesus that are fired at him. And then if we have time, we'll look at the, the answer uh, of Jesus. So first of all, the work of Jesus. Look at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching uh, the gospel. This is Jesus' last day, this one particular day. And we see Jesus, uh, he is teaching the people in the temple courts and he is preaching the gospel. Now, if we rewind from Jesus' last day in the temple courts uh, to Jesus at age 12 in, in Luke chapter 2, uh, we're given a, a picture of, of what Jesus was doing. We, we know the birth of Jesus. We have an account of that. We don't have very much uh, beyond that. But then there's this episode when Jesus is age 12. And it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 2. Jesus has visited Jerusalem with his parents for the, the festival of the Passover. But there's a, there's a problem. Uh, and the, the parents of Jesus, or uh, Mary and uh, Joseph, uh, they, they recognize uh, all of a sudden that Jesus is missing. So there's panic, we can imagine. And uh, we're told in Luke chapter 2 uh, what happened next. So I'll just read this. You don't need to go there just now. But it says at verse 43 of Luke chapter 2, When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother Mary, uh, Joseph and his mother did not, did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So we have this big crowd who are making their way back home. They assume Jesus is in the crowd, but he's not in the crowd. So when they did not find them, verse 45, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, now so it was after three days they found him in the temple. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. So before Jesus' public ministry even began, we find him in Jerusalem in his father's house in the temple courts. And he's about his father's business. He's working. And now as we fast forward uh, some 21 years later, in the final days of Jesus' life, Things have gone full circle. And Jesus is once more in Jerusalem, in his father's house, about his father's business. And he's working. Uh, he's, he's teaching the people the Bible. He's preaching the gospel. Uh, literally, uh, what he's doing is he is announcing the good news that he had lived for us that perfect life. And that he would soon die for us on the cross. And that he would rise from the dead so that we could be saved. Jesus is proclaiming that. 
in the temple courts on his last working day. And I think we should just note uh, here the, the, the diligence and the consistency with which Jesus worked in his service of his father and in the teaching of the gospel. Because this is a work that um, every follower of Jesus is called to do. It's not just my work and the work of, of a few. If we have heard and believed the good news about Jesus, we're called to share that. Wherever we are, you know, in whatever job or whatever place uh, we are located, we may have a, a, a task to do in terms of our, uh, of our manual labor or our, our office duties, but uh, all of us who are believers are called within that context to share the news about Jesus, to tell people that we are great sinners, but there is a great Savior who calls them. And that's something uh, that is very easy to do at the beginning, when we've just come to faith, when we've just realized that we are sinners, and we've just felt the weight of our sin being lifted, when we've just seen the cross and understood all that Jesus did for us, when we've just believed and just been saved, and we're full of the joy of the Lord, no one can, no one can shut our mouths. We're out and about, we're, we're telling people uh, this amazing news that we have been given the faith to take hold of. It's, it's easy to do that at the beginning. But we're called to keep going. We're called to stay consistent. We're called in our, our Christian lives to, to finish strong. To keep working to the end. As Jesus did. So let me ask you the question as I uh, must ask the question of myself. Are you still sharing the gospel of Jesus. When did you last tell someone about Jesus? When did you last take an opportunity that you were given to tell people about uh, the great sin that we wrestle with and the great salvation that's freely offered in Christ? When I was preparing this, um, I couldn't help but think about Ina, uh, who through her Christian life uh, was so bright and so open and so willing to tell people about Jesus. And when she went to the hospital, she said, I'm, I'm going there because I've got a job to do. I'm going there as a missionary. And everyone who walks in that door of my hospital ward, I will tell about Jesus. And she did. To the end. And we see the work of Jesus in her. So the work of Jesus is the first point. And the second point we come to is, is questions for uh, Jesus. We see this menacing group of suited people approaching Jesus. And um, uh, they bring their questions. 
And when we think about questions, uh, probably the most watched political broadcast in the week is Prime Minister's Questions, uh, where the leader of the country is put on the stand and uh, has to answer uh, the, the questions that are fired at him or are fired at her, depending on who's in power. And you can learn a lot about a person uh, when they are under that kind of scrutiny. You watch a politician, uh, a prime minister, a councillor, whoever, uh, and they're on the stand in the hustings. You can learn a lot about a person when they're responding to questions under that kind of pressure. And you could say the temple, the house of God here, became the studio. It became the, the stand upon which Jesus faced the questions of his accusers. And we read about it in verses 1 and 2. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. These are the powerful religious people. And they have their questions. Verse 2. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things who gave you this authority so their question is about the authority of Jesus and the, the things that Jesus has been doing uh, and they fire this question at Jesus and I want to, to just hit pause there for a second and, and ask the question uh, first of all um, is it right to bring questions to God Is it right to bring questions to Jesus? And the answer is sometimes it is. If you were to flick through the Psalter and just do a search for how many questions there are, uh, you'll see that there are many, many questions, earnest, intense, real questions that the psalmist had for God and, and, and put into these psalms as he sought to come to know God. These are right questions. Or think about Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was regarded as one of the best uh, theologians uh, of that time. He's been watching Jesus. He's been listening to Jesus. Uh, he has an interest. He's been drawn towards Jesus. But he has questions. And in John 3, we've got a record of how he he brought these questions to Jesus. So, or think about the disciples. Uh, they, they weren't always the sharpest tools in the box. They didn't always get it first time when Jesus told them uh, something. They were a bit like me in a maths class. You have to be told over and over and over again. The disciples, they had questions and they took their questions to Jesus, which has proved to be a real blessing to us. Think about Thomas. If Thomas hadn't asked Jesus the question in John 14, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? If he hadn't asked that question, we wouldn't have John 14 verse 6 where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the point is that there are some questions that we can take to Jesus. There are some questions that we must take to Jesus. When we're struggling to understand, when we're wrestling with doubts, when we're looking for more faith, uh, when we are struggling, it's right to take our questions to Jesus. 
Not to bottle them up. Not to file them away. But we take them in prayer uh, to Jesus. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law, uh, they didn't have these kind of questions. Uh, we're told at the end of Luke 19 that they actually have no intention of believing in Jesus. They're not asking questions in order to, to believe. They have no intention of believing in Jesus. They are building a case against Jesus. We're told at the end of Luke 19, verse 47 and 48, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders of the people uh, were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way uh, to do it because all the people uh, were hanging on Jesus' words. So the religious leaders, you know, at one time when they preached, everybody came. Now when they preach, everybody leaves. And when Jesus preaches, everybody comes. And so the religious leaders are tearing their hair out. No one's listening to them anymore. Everyone's hanging on the words of Jesus. So in verse 1 it says, they came up to Jesus. There's a kind of menace in that. They swagger up to Jesus. There's no reverence in their approach. And they attack Jesus with their questions. Verse 2, tell us by what authority are you doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? And we get the impression even in these two verses, they're not looking for faith to believe. They're looking for reasons not to believe. They're not trying to understand who Jesus is. They're, 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 they're trying to dispute the identity of Jesus. They're trying to undermine the authority of Jesus. So Jesus replies, verse 3, I will also ask you a question. Tell me. John's baptism. Uh, baptism was just another word for ministry. John's baptism. John's ministry. Was it from heaven or, or from men. And so they, they go away in a huddle. And it says in verse 5, they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? And they're in trouble. But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So, so they're in a catch-22 here. They've come with their smart question. Jesus has responded, and now they don't know where to go with it. So they answered, uh, very reluctantly, we imagine, we don't know where it was from. They're kind of humiliated, and the crowds are probably smirking. Because these smart Alec theologians uh, have, have at last been silenced. At last, if I did admit they don't know. We don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. You know, we've seen so many political leaders crumble under question. We've seen so many people on the witness stand crumble under questioning. But Jesus has no difficulty 
Jesus has no struggle uh, with their smart questions. They come with a, a trick question uh, to Jesus. They're trying to incriminate Jesus, but Jesus in his response and in the question that he poses just demonstrates that their wisdom is no match. It's not even near the wisdom of Jesus. And they can't stand against Jesus. And so they have to back down and go back to their corner. So what effect does that have? Are they humbled? Uh, do they do they stop doubting and believe? Do they do they submit to Jesus? And acknowledge what obviously they can see, that the fact that, that Jesus' ministry, like John's ministry, was from heaven and not from men. Are they going to admit that? Are they going to close the case against Jesus, uh, quit their questions, stop rebelling and believe? That's what we hope they're going to do. But what we see is that uh, they are they're just all the more determined to resist Jesus. And the point uh, in application is uh, don't be like them. I mean, these religious people, we're, we're not going to go on to point three for your encouragement, but the, these religious people, uh, they knew their Bible so well. Uh, they had seen so much of Jesus' power. They were privileged people. But they would not believe. Not they could not. They would not believe. And so they just keep on coming with their questions. And there are some here like that. Some in Harris like that. Some in the congregation. Uh, like that, who, who who know so much of the Bible and who have heard so much about Jesus through parents and grandparents and school teachers and Sunday school teachers. You've got so much of a knowledge of, of the gospel. There are some here, there are some who are probably watching at a distance uh, who have had so many years of opportunity and yet still you're asking questions question after question after question after question not because you want to believe but because there are some who just want reasons not to believe there are some who are not looking for a bridge in order to, to reach Jesus. But you're asking questions in order to, to create a barrier that will justify the distance that you want to remain from Jesus. And as we look at the, the, the religious leaders here in their class with Jesus, I want to just simply say, don't be like them. 
be like Nicodemus. We're not told he was here. But in all likelihood, uh, he was on the edge of this crowd. Because he was Israel's teacher. He moved in this circle. And I think, well, I know because we're told that for Nicodemus, this was the week that he openly repented. He stopped asking Jesus questions. And he believed. And he bowed before the authority of Christ. So will you do that? Will we do that? No more questions. If you know you're a great sinner and you know that Jesus is the great saviour who went to a cross to die, to take your sin away, you've heard more than many a person in this world. You have enough to believe. No more questions. It's time to believe. It's time to put our faith in Christ. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for these records which are uh, kept, these eyewitness accounts that are given to us of uh, encounters with Jesus. We thank you that Jesus uh, preached the gospel message in the temple courts and then went from the temple courts to the cross to do the work of salvation to die on a cross to make it possible for us to be saved eternally we see the religious leaders in their swaggering approach of Jesus we see the cynicism we see the determination not to believe. And we pray that there would be none here or none listening uh, who are in that place. And if there are some in that place, we pray that this would be the day that they repent as Nicodemus did and believe and find the assurance of salvation. To hear our prayers. Uh, help us uh, to believe. Give to us the gift of salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's uh, close now with uh, the benediction. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the comfort of God the Holy Spirit be with us all and with those whom we love. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.